Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's good, everybody? It's your boy Dexter Henry here with the NBA Exchange. Excited about this one. Happy Friday to everybody out there. Hopefully you are having a good one. I am. I'm having a good Friday. Good energy this Friday. Um, if you see the shirt, you know what it is. NBA Jam. Knicks. We're talking Knicks today. Like I told you guys, we're going to be talking about Knicks on Friday. Now, I know Knicks Nation it hasn't been that happy times recently. There's been some tough losses. The Knicks have looked real mediocre. We'll see. But as you know, whenever we talk Knicks on this show, okay, I always bring you the best, the best people to talk Knicks, right? And, you know, I'm very well connected with the best people who talk Knicks even better than myself, and I love talking to them. And today's guest, I'm excited because this is his first time on the show. Um, although we've done a bunch of content together, he's had me on his show. You've seen him on me with uh, SNY in the New York Post. He's been on with me there. That would be Jonathan Mackley. People know him as the dean of Knicks Film School, uh, but he's been great enough to come on and join us and talk some Knicks basketball, and he joins us now. Jonathan, what's up, man? Not not putting any pressure on me at all there, Dex. <laughs> man, goodness gracious. Look, you gotta, uh, you, gotta, you. you gotta give a good intro to the good people, man. You gotta give a good intro. If you don't come to the with good, a good people. Intro, to the good yeah, people. The, the, bad people the, bad, the bad people just don't come on. That's all. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> That's too nice. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. I'm also having a good Friday. It's been, you know, any week where there's a back to back that that that's a that's a long week for me because those those two games in a in like a 24 hour span that it, it, it takes a lot out of you know, when you when you you know write the newsletter afterwards and everything. But it's it's been it's been good. I think you know it's funny, man. I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think that people think about with what you do as an independent content creator with stuff around the Knicks. And you do a pregame show, you do a postgame show, both of which are dope. Um, you're writing the newsletter that's daily, right? Daily newsletter. That's every weekday, yeah. Every, every weekday. weekday. <laughs> Jonathan is doing some pumping out the content. And please let's shout out Jonathan because I just saw this on Twitter earlier. Jonathan is podcast. They just got, you know, sponsored by Chase, which yeah. is dope. So salute to you guys getting that Chase money. You know I like <laughs> to see that. Um, they have enough, right? Yeah, they got enough. They can, they can, they can spread it around to y'all. We, we, we like to see that. I love to see that for the, the independent content creators. But I think people don't think enough, Jonathan, about how much you guys are working, you know, pregame, postgame, like I said, the newsletter, doing all that. Um, I, know you, I know you're tired, but you love it, right? Like, this is, this is something that you love doing, correct? You know, you, you say, like, I'm tired. Like, <laughs> the thing... Nobody says your, your dream job's easy. I, I think actually, if 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 it, if it's easy, it's probably not your dream job. Um, so the way that I, you know, like I, if if you if you put me in a lab and you're like create exactly what you want to be doing with your life, it's this. I mean, I get to talk about the team that I grew up rooting for, and I obviously still love and am passionate about. And 
I get to write about them. And thanks for, for, you know, talking about the newsletter because like the pods are fun, right? The pods are fun. The post games are fun. Even after losses, you know, even when you're dealing with people who want to fire this person and want to trade this person and everything. <laughs> but, but for me, like some people are like natural writers. I've never considered myself that. So to me, like the newsletter to really boil down a game or a trade or just like the state of the team into a certain amount of words and, and have it be um, both interesting and entertaining. Like that's, I love that challenge, which is why like for me it, with everything that we do, the newsletter is kind of, you know, really special to me. Yeah, it's really special. And something that before we get into the next, and there's a lot we can talk about at this point in the season, 22 games in um, there's a lot. And you and I have had talked about this in segments throughout the season um, already on SNY and the New York Post. But, you know, you starting um, Knicks fan school, I, w- I want people to know about the creation and the growth. I talked about your growth, just getting that to deal with Chase um, to sponsor the, the, the podcast, which is absolutely dope. Um, you know, you talked about wanting to do your dream job. And, you know, I think that, you know, I've said this on your show. I think a lot of things are great when you can start from it is what you want to do. And your passion, that's how I kind of, that's how I got my start. I attribute a lot to what I've done to starting creating my own stuff. What was the inspiration for it for you? And where do you see this thing going? Um, Because I see it going pretty far and how it connects with the Knicks fans. Where where do you see this thing going? Um, Well, first and foremost, I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Knicks Film School did not originate with me. It originated with my my former partner and still to this day, one of my very best friends, Jeffrey Ballone, who now he he writes uh, the... Uh, the Mets he's with Mets fix and he writes the Metropolitan it's a it's a daily Mets newsletter and uh, they just put out an edition today so shout out to for any any Mets fans looking for Mets content but like yeah Nick's film school originated with him just with a Twitter account you know like the, the old the old heads will remember the old Ron Baker videos and the old Frank Nilakina videos where he would just break down clips in a way that I mean we're talking six six years ago now i think six seven years ago that nobody was really doing it at the time now it's become kind of commonplace and there are like apps that make this easier he was doing it before any of that stuff and we hooked up um and i was like you know he was like i want to i want to like branch out from just you know doing doing twitter i want to do a a newsletter and then i was like oh that's great i want to do a podcast so let's let's you know join forces and we did and then you know the podcast kind of took off and the newsletter, I mean, I, my goodness, when he first launched it, it was like, it, it, it really caught on. And then he kind of wanted to move on. And I'm like, you know what? We got this newsletter thing. We got all these, you know, subscribers and whatnot. Let me see if I can keep it going. And I think that was about three years ago. And so it's just kind of, we've been adding pieces, obviously Andrew Claudio, who produces everything we do and who essentially runs next film school. I'm, I'm, I'm the one you see on the screen a lot, but it's Andrew Claudio behind the scenes. Um, growing the team, finding new talent, just had, you know, XJ on for his first pod yesterday. Um, you know, Sean with a Sean with a W, uh, lots of great talent, Chris, you know, Jeremy Cohen, obviously with his cap knowledge and doing the, the cap breakdowns and, you know, cap or no cap Benji, Benji Ritholtz from, you know, he, you see him on Twitter with these film breakdowns. He's as good as anyone doing it. So we have this amazing, amazing team now, um, and it's really, really exciting where it goes from here, man. I, your guess is as good as mine. We just we're taking it day by day and and just making sure that we put out the best content that that we can 
that we can put. Also, like two, two other, uh, yeah. Justin and Mensa, two other recent additions to our team. I, th- I think I got everybody. So if, and I think if, you okay. got everybody in there. Yeah, and I, th- I, I think that I think that part about content creation that you mentioned there, like I know people will listen to that and say, "Oh, Jonathan's just giving coach speak there." It's one one day at a time, but really that's how it is. You know, you're really just thinking about the one thing, the the connections you make, the the people you bring in, and I I, I don't know about you, but for me when you're creating your own content and you're helping other people and you're finding new talent and bringing people in and putting other people on that stuff feels good, man. Like not even in terms of self-recognition, but just seeing other people have opportunities through your platform is, is pretty dope. Because it can't like the notion that like, we're, you know, me and Andrew sit down and we're like, okay, we need a, we need a social guy or we need, we, we need a presence in, in this app or, or whatever else. Like that's not authentic. And that's not genuine. And, right. you know, like, look, I'm not always the most popular guy because I say what's on my mind and I I say what I believe. And sometimes that's popular and sometimes it isn't. But like, I truly believe that the reason why Nick's Film School has the following it does is because everything we do, everything we put out is authentic. And like, the, you know, the people we've added to the team recently it's just people who a authentically love the Knicks and care about the Knicks and want to do what they do for the right reasons. Like they, cause they want to like, again, they want to create good content and wherever it takes them, it takes them like, that's, that's the key. And that's what I love about it is because I feel really great about everybody on the team. And like, that's why I'm not really worried about tomorrow. My, my, you know, I'll, I'll quote my mom. She's like, don't, you know, don't worry about like, like money or any of that stuff just like do what you love everything good will follow from that and Yo, you know yeah. that's good that's good advice something my mom told me too and i feel like when you're younger you don't understand it as much but yeah. as you go through the process of life and doing things and creating content you realize it, it makes so much so man you know i've told you this before i am beyond thrilled for your success well, and everything you've gone everybody who knows me knows that i support all the independent content creators, especially the ones I really love that were around the Knicks. Um, I always shout out yourself, Knicks Fan TV, you. Knicks Wall. You guys are all doing CP, great stuff. The franchise. Yeah, shout out, shout out. I love what man, I, I kind of shout him out because like I, I gas him up when he's on my show. But like that dude is literally revolutionizing the way fans interact with their team with what oh, yeah. called, the Knicks fan TV. You know? Um, so like that's why I'm happy. It's not just us, and it, you could look at you know, across, across content creation. There's so much good stuff happening. Yeah. There's so much good stuff and there's so many good voices out there. And I think that you hit on another good word that I think for me mattered a lot. When I look at all of you guys who I like that are doing it out there, you know, the good people that come on the show, Jonathan, that, that's what I call the good people that come on the good show. People. I, I, I like the word that you said it's, it's authentic. And that's, yeah. I think that's what connected with me as somebody who grew up as a Nick fan. And um, we talked about that when I was on your show and that's yeah. what connects with me is that it's authentic. So if I see it, I know it, it's real, it represents, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll grow about that. Okay. Not 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 to say we just want to move on and enough about Nick's film school. No, that's okay. Let's do it. Good. We, we got to talk about the team. That's why I'm We got to talk about the team. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about the team. The New York Knicks, they are 10 and 12 on the season. The last time you and I talked, I think we did something on Sunday uh, with SNY and the New York Post, and I, I yeah. called them – you know, mediocre. So, you know, right now they're, they're in mediocrity, right? At 10 and 12, that's kind of how I see it. I don't know where my energy is with the team right now, Jonathan. Part of me is, I, I wouldn't call it frustration. I, I'm kind of, eh, you know, 
how, yeah. how do you how do you evaluate this team right now at ten and twelve? What's what's the vibes you have about this team right now? What's what are the vibes? Um, yes, the vibes are are they're fine, <laughs> which is a different way of like expressing what you do. They're fine. They're not great. They're not bad. And, and maybe it's because I always when I consider the Knicks and how they're doing and what the what the talking points are, I'm always comparing it to other Knicks teams, especially over the last 20 ish years. And like, we know what bad looks like here. And this isn't that right. I mean, for complaints about this, that, the other thing, like, so, you know, and like, there are good things happening. Jalen Brunson has been incredible. The team for as much as the defense has been a disaster, the team does compete for the most part with some very notable exceptions that have, that have worried me and and other Nick fans along the way this season. But like, there's good stuff. It's not perfect. But then again, we knew that team wasn't going to be perfect. I guess when, like, when I think about the vibes, it's 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 one thing to be like, well, they're mediocre, and we knew they were going to be mediocre. That I agree with. But there are different ways that you can be mediocre. Like, and I think that the one point of uh, use my favorite word consternation for me, and I think a lot of people, is that like. There, there are some parts of this team and the, so the way they go about things and the way they're maybe using certain players or certain players that are still here and maybe shouldn't be. You, it, it, I think it prevents a lot of people from really, really enjoying the good stuff. Um, and that's the only that's like the, the, the down part of the vibes, you know, for me. Yeah, I, I would say that. And I think a lot of the talk now around the team is. And and we're going to get into this because you can't get away from it, but it's like kind of what's next? What's the next move? Um, And they know that too, I think. The players have to know that. Yeah. And and look, the players know from this summer when you had the Donovan Mitchell talks, right? Especially the young players that were brought up in the trade discussions. They knew it from there. That kind of ways. The team is in the middle. They're 10 and 12, like you're talking about. I'm in with you. We both, I said, meh. And you're kind of like, yeah, it's, it's just okay, right? And it, the skies are falling, Jonathan. <clears throat> the skies no. are falling for the Knicks. They are not in the worst situation. Their cap situation is not terrible. They have no. a ton of picks. They do. There is flexibility there. Um, we'll get to the roster and what we think about that um, in a bit later. But I do not think that the sky is falling and this is the end of the world. No. Are you concerned about what you've seen recently with this team at home? Um, you know, tough losses, right? When you look at Portland last Friday, Memphis on Sunday, we talked right after that. And then, you know, you have Milwaukee the other night in a game that looked like yeah. you could have won. Are you concerned about the record at home right now and the way they've been sort of faltering at the end against some, uh, I don't say upper echelon, all of them, but some good teams, quality teams? Yeah, I mean, so the lot, the six out of seven losses at home, the teams that they've lost to, um, and you just said a few of them, the Bucks, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, the Thunder, um, the Celtics and the Hawks. And if we could even go a step further and say the only teams that they've beaten at home this year have been Detroit twice, Orlando and Charlotte, who are three of the five worst teams in basketball. I, I, I think, you know, the. Look, it's not like any of those losses, with the exception of the Thunder, and the Thunder have been playing pretty good ball, and it was the way they lost. That's really the most concerning one, right? It was the it was yeah. the Thunder game, 
and it was the way they lost the Thunder game. And if you want to also say the going back a little while ways, the, the Hawks game, which kind of started this like, oh, man, is this not a great this is, you know, this might be a worrisome year. Like the way they lost that game, too, where a lot of, you know, the Hawks game was reminiscent of last year. The Thunder was just like, a, I mean, you give up 145 points like those are worrisome. The Bucks game recently, the Grizzlies game recently, like those are really good teams. And you probably yeah. shouldn't have beaten those teams. And the fact that you had a chance to beat both those teams at the end, like those were annoying losses. Didn't bother me too much. The Blazers loss falls somewhere in between because, again, that was the, a game that was there for the taking. You didn't really bring it on defense. So, like, I, I guess I, I'm I'm less bothered by the home part of it than other people because, let's be real, Dex, like, this team hasn't had a real home court advantage since the 90s. If we're just no. being straight, you no. know, and like a lot of people have talked about it. You know, guys get excited to come into the garden and they want to perform. And like that still happens. And it's going to take a a very, very good team to really establish home court advantage. And I don't you know, this is not that sort of team. No, I, I, I completely agree. That's a great point about them not having that home court advantage since that time. And like you said, it, it takes a team that the fans are really behind. I think the fans were excited two seasons ago when yeah. the team made the playoffs. We saw the energy at MSG and I was in the building for that and it was crazy. But it, it's it's not the same as having that consistent team the way it was in the 90s that you and I grew up with where you could tell the fans were behind them every night. So yeah, I, I agree with you about those home losses, right? And I, I agree that, that Portland loss felt somewhere in between there for me where I wasn't terribly annoyed about Memphis or terribly annoyed about the Bucks, But when I look at those games, Jonathan, I say to my, I look at those and how they, how they ended up at the end. And I say, man, they just don't have that guy. They just don't have that dude that can close, right? Like, at least from what I see. So my question to you here, is there a player on the Knicks roster that can be a star right now? When you look at this roster, is there a guy you believe in? I think a lot of people want it to be RJ and we'll get to our concerns yeah. about him. But is there a guy that can be a star Is a star not here yet? I how do I answer this? I think it depends on what your definition of a star is. I think Jalen Brunson in some ways is already a star. And I think he's going to as long as the Knicks are around five hundred, I think he's going to be in the all star conversation. And I think he has, I don't know, what I'd give him maybe if assuming the numbers stay what they are and he keeps performing like he's performing, it probably has a fifty fifty shot of making it. If you make an all star team, does that make you a star? You know, they yeah, yeah, I, and and yes, and I think we'll get to his All Star candidacy too. I think yes, it it makes you a star. I guess I should clarify that question. Yeah, is no, he, I, I I'm jumping ahead no, to that. No, no, <laughs> I'm, no, 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 and I'm glad I'm glad that you 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 asked that specifically because I think people sometimes don't understand like the tiers of stars that there are, right? Like like I think there's tiers to this. Is like he? To, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. What do no, you say? Like to, I I'm just, I'm, it just came like. To me, a star in the NBA, the way the game is played today is a guy who could basically create points, right? He could create points for himself. He could create points for his teammates. That is, I think, the first line of a star. Are there slight variations of that? Like, obviously, you have Rudy Gobert, um, you know, Draymond Green, although Draymond Green does create points, even though he doesn't score points. So, like, there are slight variations, but it's like, can you get your shot and can you make your shot when you're creating it for yourself more often than not? And then the last ingredient is, are you still playing for others? Are you still making other people better, even when by your own self-creation? I think Jalen Brunson does all of that. 
And then when you add in the fact that he seems to be something of a natural born leader, I think when you put all that together, like, yeah, I think he's a star, but, but at the same time, no one is ever going to look at Jalen Brunson and be like, Oh, if he's the best guy on your team, you're going to compete for something. But, but again, I'll throw it back to you. Like how many of those guys are there really in the NBA at any given time? You know, probably at any given time. No, I'm glad you threw that back to me too, because that, because I would say probably at any given time you're really talking about, and that's why, that's why I call you. Those guys are superstars, right? Those guys to me are superstars. Yes. You're talking about three to three to five of those guys in the league at any given time. And it's generally most times closer to three. Okay. Then it is, then it is five of those anytime. And I call those guys, they're different makers, difference makers. They can close. You put the ball in their hands. You're very confident they're going to close. Now, I think, and I would love for you to talk more about this too. I think you're confident with the ball in Jalen Brunson's hands. Oh, yeah. The problem is, and I felt this uh, in the Memphis game in particular, the problem is, are you confident in anybody else helping him close, right? Like, and I see, I see your face there, and it's probably no. And I, I, that's how I feel. I'm not necessarily confident in that. I'll, listen, I'll throw, I'll throw him a bone before we probably – Say some nice nice things about it. (laughs) RJ Barrett has not this year. This year, he's like shooting some ungodly number in clutch situations. He's shooting like 20 something percent. Over the course of his career, RJ Barrett has made some some big shots. I'm not just talking about the Boston shot. Like he he does have a tendency to do pretty well at the end of close games, but he is not the guy that you want creating offense for you. Do I trust him to you know, attack a closeout in a big spot and like, you know, stay within himself and maybe and make a make a tough shot around the rim. Maybe, you know, like that, like. But do I do I necessarily think this this team has the surrounding pieces and the, the other part of it that's tough with Brunson and this gets into like more the nitty gritty of the roster construction is the one part of his game that he doesn't have. And this is tough for a guard to be built this way in 2022 is he's not a threat to pull up from deep you know, with the game on the line, which a lot of your star guards, they could do that. That's not what Jalen Brunson wants to do, even though he has done it a few times this year, late in games, but that's not what he prefers to do. He wants to go in the paint. And so the necessity of having those guys who can knock down a big three when they get the ball kicked out to them, um, like you need that, Uh, like much like Grayson Allen did, uh, you know, a couple of nights ago. And then, you know, I think Quentin Grimes could be that player. Um, but we gotta, you know, see a, a little bit, a little bit more from him. Yeah, we gotta see a little bit more from him on that. You mentioned RJ. Uh, you mentioned RJ. Look, we can keep it a buck here. He is not <laughs> the the shooting has not been great this season. He has not taken that leap that we that we've seen. I had a friend say to me, you know, she thought that he's maybe too much in his head right now. Maybe that's a possibility. I could see that, especially after getting the contract. We know he was sick for a while, too. I also want to give him some grace on that as well, too. Where's your concern level with him in terms of his development? Do you Are you still confident in wherever it was that you saw him going towards or plateauing at? Are Do you have a concern level about his development right now? Well, that that's the thing is like and I've said I don't know how many times I said this this year, but like I, I think I'm actually less concerned than other people because my my plateau for him was different than a lot of other people's. And I I have struggled to see a path for him to be the sort of, you know, to use your word, star player 
that other people have. So, and like, you know, I've, I mentioned this recently. He, for all of his shooting struggles this year, you look at his points per shot attempt, you look at his true shooting percentage. They're pretty much the same as they were last year. You know, this is a, a hair down, but it's not that different. To me, the bigger concern is his approach and his defense. And and the defense is one in the same in his approach because to me, if I didn't know any better, I would say that he is defending like some stars in the league defend. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. Jason Tatum is one of the best defensive players. I mean, he's making a case for all defense the way he's defending. He's taking on the best assignment every night. That is a rarity. Most of the time, a star player is not going to exert all of their effort on the defensive side of the court. And I don't know if it's an effort thing. I don't know if it's a he's too heavy thing. I don't know if he's I don't know what it is, but that dude's not moving well at all on the defensive end and it's killing them. And the no, the advanced numbers bear that out. Um and then on the other end, he I mean he's he's said it. This isn't me putting anything on him. He said it. He's like, "No, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shoot my way out of it. I'm fine. I'll be okay." Like I I don't I don't like that approach. I I wish he would embrace more of a role as like, I don't want to say role player because that's a dirty word, but like Mm. just do whatever your team needs you to do. And if that means if you don't have it on a given night or a given week or a given two week, two two weeks, try to go get 10 assists, try to go get a dozen rebounds, you know, and he could, he has the skill to do those things, but we haven't seen that because I think in his mind, he is a star. And that, to yeah. me, if you're talking about my concern level for RJ, that's my biggest concern. More than any of the, you know, the shooting mechanics or like, I, I, want, I wish I was more confident in his, in his mentality um, moving forward. But you know. the, the, the interesting thing with him, right, is that everybody around the team, yeah, I'm sure you've heard this too. Everybody says that he works hard. He, yeah. he puts into work into the gym. But I think the point that you're making that's really good is like, but what are you working hard on, right? There's, if, if a lot of it is focused on the scoring, and there was so much talk last year about R.J. Barrett becoming a 20-point-per-game scorer, yep. and he did his play down the stretch, that's the kind of stuff I wonder with the contract that then gets into your head, yes. right, which is that yep. you have to be a scorer instead of becoming the best, well-rounded player that you could be, which is kind of the point I think that you're making here, and I agree with you on. Can there be a focus on you know being the best, well-rounded player um, that you could be, but we'll see. I, I I don't know who's to blame for that. How much of that is on him? How much is that on the Knicks development staff? It remains I, to be seen. I also like, you know, he he was in the trade. You know, he was in the trade. The trade, yeah. Donovan Mitchell can't stop talking about it. You know, we can't. We can't stop. Yeah. yeah. No. But so, like, how do you go? How did? How do you? How do you grapple with, how do you reconcile going from, you know, ostensibly the face of the franchise one day to being almost shipped out of town the next day? And how do you come back from that precipice? Um, I feel like there's not a ton of times where that's where that's happened. I mean, he did get paid. He did get paid. So we should note that he got paid. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I wonder where he is mentally like you. I don't have a great answer. Um, but I, I encouraging last five games. Let's let's end on a high note with RJ. There See, we go. We, there we go. Some positivity. He's, yeah, he, his numbers over the last five games have been pretty good. And uh, something I spotlighted in my newsletter today, actually, his the defensive numbers when he's on the floor with Mitch 
who he has a great connection with, those guys, obviously, they're fourth year together, have been better. I'm not not saying like Mitch makes him a drastically better defender, but maybe it's the connection those guys have. They know how to operate on the floor with each other at the same time. So I'm encouraged by that too as well. Yeah, and I I will note that I think you make a, you bring up a good point in the fact of him being in the trade and supposedly almost gone to coming back, and then you get the extension. And yes, I'm sure money helps, but you, <laughs> at, at some point in the subconscious, you might be like, "Yo, but y'all didn't want me," um, and, and you wonder how much that could play. That's something I think that probably doesn't get talked about enough. So I think it's yeah. a good, good point. But last five games, pretty good. Uh, there we go. Um, I was going to ask you to answer this question. Jalen Brunson, an all-star. We know that you think that he is right now. You said there's a 50-50 shot that he I, can make it. Um, I We talked about this the last time we we connected and spoke. You're, you've been very impressed with what he's done this year. And you said when you came on with me on SNY, you think he's the Knicks' best player right now easily. Oh, my God. And it's not yeah. even close. And mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. Um, do you think he's an all-star right now? Do you think there's more work to be done for him to be an all-star? Does it matter what the Knicks' record is? What do you what do you think about his All Star candidacy? I think it matters what the record is for sure. I don't think he's going to make an All Star team if they're five or six games under five hundred. If they're one or two below five hundred, and he maintains his numbers now, that's why I was so upset for him over the with, with the Portland game and with the Memphis game. I, I just it's, it's I think it's the first time I've ever really felt this way as a Knicks fan in 30, 39 years uh, or 31, 32 years being a Knicks fan. I felt more bad for the player than like my own feeling about the team's loss. I so badly wanted one of those game game winners to go down for him so he could have a signature moment to try to build on that all-star case with. Didn't happen. It's fine. It happens. And then he missed a free throw in Milwaukee or against Milwaukee too. Wasn't ideal. Overall though, he's been incredible in clutch situations. I've said several times, I think we're sitting here talking about probably a four win team. If Jalen Brunson wasn't on it, they have 10 wins. So that's more than double if 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 my you know supposition is correct. Um, that sounds like an all-star to me, a guy who doubles his team's win total just by being on the team. Uh I he'd be on my team right now. I I, I wonder about as we get closer, does like Trey Young start shooting it better? Um, you know. Do the like where are the Bulls like DeRozan's putting up all star numbers? Is he going to make the team? Halliburton on Indiana, the dude's killing all the advanced metrics. He's leading the league in assists. The Pacers are good. Like these are the guys he's going to be competing against, and I think it's it's you know it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough one. Um, but he's his name is definitely should be in the conversation for sure. Now we can't talk about the Knicks this year. We talked about RJ, but the outside shooting. Mm. I mean it's. Woo! It's been it's been tough to watch. The other night, six three pointers made against Milwaukee. It seems like every night, Jonathan, every team is beating the Knicks in the three point battle. Yep. Uh, listen, I don't have all the answers on how to fix the outside shooting woes. You can shoot more shots. You can keep the RJ mentality. But are you concerned that this team can't win games uh, on a consistent basis or get back over the five hundred mark if they cannot hit shots? From the outside. Well, no, I'm not concerned about that because as we wake up today, I think they're still either in a virtual tie with the Nets for 10th or they maybe they're 10th in offense. Bit, yes. Yeah, 10th in offense. So if you're 10th in offense, offense is not the reason you can't win games. Like right. that is just the fact. Every NBA team, I don't care who you are, I don't care what your personnel is, 
has the ability to at least be a top 20 defense. Well, you know, you could scheme it. It's effort, obviously, is a big part of it. So, like, if you're a top 10 off, if you're a 10th ranked offense and you're if you're a 20th ranked defense, which I mean, that should not be what they should shoot for. They should shoot for higher than that. But like at a bare minimum, 20th, put the two things together. You're a middle of the road team. You should make the, at least at least the playoff or the play in. So like, but the thing where I think it it's tough for them optically and maybe like, I don't know if it like, if it wears on them in games when teams are just knocking down threes and they're just not able to knock them down. I, I do I do think it probably does take a mental toll um, on you, and maybe that in some weird, strange way like factors into why their defense has been so porous because it's like these teams are making threes and it's just, you know, after a while you shrug your shoulders and you're like, well, we, you know, we can't kind of keep up with this level of scoring. I don't know. The one thing I will say, and I, I hope this comes to fruition is if you look up and down their roster and you look at the three point percentages of guys who you figured would make a lot of threes on this team, nobody is, nobody is making threes. Everybody is shooting below their career percentages. Um, You know, there's some people who are like more egregious than violators than others, but like, you know, RJ Barrett is a 29% uh, quickly, 31%. Uh, Cam Reddish, who's like not a great career shooter, but you figured he'd be better than you know thirty two percent, which is what he's at right now. Quentin Grimes, twenty five percent. Like these are these are these numbers will go up. Um, I have to think that they will go up. So I'm not I'm not worried about that. The other thing is Fred Fred Katz of the Athletic, Nick's beat writer for the Athletic. He wrote a good uh, piece yesterday. I thought about uh, the quality of shots that the Knicks are getting which was yes. rather interesting too, which speaks actually to the point that you're making where you're ranked 10th in offense. There are clearly some good things there, although the outside shooting's not there. They are getting quality shots. Yep. They have great offensive rebounding with Hardenstein and Mitchell Robinson, who've done a good job. Emmanuel Quickly is also a really good rebounder slash offensive rebounder as well. Um, so there are some good things here. It sounds to me like with you, John, and this is where I am too, the more shocking thing for the Knicks is how not good they've been defensively. You talked about them being 20th in defense, and this is a Tom Thibodeau coach team where defense is generally the staple. What's going on there? I've seen a little bit of aggression, as you mentioned earlier, from R.J. Barrett on the defensive end. He has not been as good. What are you seeing going on with the defensive roles around the Knickerbocker? Um, I mean, I think there's a few ways to answer this question. Uh, for one, like there have been a lot of early season I'll call them politely call them miscommunication issues on the defensive end with pick and roll coverages, with how they guard the three when someone sets a screen, you know, out by the three point arc, who's who's dropping back, who's who's covering, um, you know, like that stuff matters. I think there are just quite frankly effort issues with some of these players. Um, and yes, I'm talking about Julius Randall. I don't know how to I don't know how to sugarcoat that. Um, there are lots of times out there where he's just not putting up enough effort. Uh, and that could be contesting, you know, getting out contesting a shot. That could be something as simple as putting your arms up when you're in drop coverage. Like like very basic stuff. Um, you know, getting back in transition, things of that nature. So there's that. Um, I mentioned RJ. RJ is supposed to be one of your best wing defenders. He's been their their second worst defender, I would say, after Julius Randle. He's just 
He's getting blown by. His technique is bad. His footwork is bad. Nothing's good with RJ on the defensive end, although, again, maybe looked a little bit better the last game or two. Um, And then Mitchell Robinson. And this is actually, I'll transition to something positive. Mitchell Robinson being out made a massive defense. The defensive numbers and the defensive rebounding has a lot to do with this. With um, Emmanuel, with uh, Emmanuel quickly, with Isaiah Hardenstein as the starting center, were atrocious, absolutely a, an abomination. Um, they could not stop anyone when he was the starting center. With Mitchell Robinson on the floor, it's better, and they've been about four points per hundred possessions better with him on the floor uh, this year on defense than than with him not. And the also the return of Quentin Grimes, um, a fun little quirky stack. Shout out to. Cleaning the glass um, has all great like um, on-off metrics. The Knicks are giving up. I looked this up earlier today. Yeah, about five percent fewer offensive rebounds to opposing teams with Quentin Grimes on the floor. Uh, that number ranks in like the ninety uh, ranks in the ninety-first percentile league-wide, and that makes a lot of sense because when you have Quentin Grimes guarding the point of attack, which he is a lot of the time now. That opens up opportunities for like RJ Barrett or if someone else is on the floor besides Barrett to come get those weak side rebounds as opposed to Jalen Brunson because Jalen Brunson's now not not down there. It's like the trickle down effect of not of not having RJ Barrett try to guard the point of attack. So Grimes coming back is a big one. Uh, Mitch being back is a big one. I'm I'm oddly not concerned about defense. That might sound crazy for a team that's ranked whatever they are ranked in defense. I think. We've seen this the really the last two years, because even two years ago, the, the season they finished fourth in defense, they did not start out at that level. They got yeah. better and better as the year went on. Last year, same thing. They started out horrendously. I know there were some personnel changes, but they got better as the year went on. They were the best defense in the league after the All-Star break last year. I think it will get better. I don't know how much better it will, it will get, though. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. That's a great point. They did get better even two years ago. You're right. They started yeah. trending actually very well after January. And sometimes this, this thing is a process. You know, I know we're at the quarter mark of the season. Everybody, I've been, I've been guilty of doing this, and we've been doing it all week. Everybody wants to evaluate everything at this point. I think it's a good time to evaluate things, but yeah, still a process, right? Okay. This, I think, is a fun part of the show. Let's <laughs> at do least it. a somewhat fun part. Um, <laughs> everybody, listen, I see you guys take the comments and the calls. And the questions on, um, you know, on Nick's Film School, I see you guys in the pre- and post-game show. Everybody's got an idea about how to fix the roster. Everybody thinks they can be a GM. Everybody thinks they can coach. Some people want to get rid of Tibbs. I think that's ridiculous. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, If you could fix this roster, Jonathan, if you trade something, it could be a coaching maneuver. Whatever, it could be a combination of all. What would you do to fix this Knicks roster right now if you had the power? Dolan gave you the keys. Let's go, John. Do oh, it. Jesus. That's a scary thought. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I'd give out more press credentials. That's that's for starters. Um, well, thank, thank you. Thank you for being one of the people that uh, there are some Knicks fans who seem to think that doesn't matter, but it does matter. But thanks. So thank you. It's, yeah, we, we don't have to talk about that. Um yes. <laughs> And I'm not exactly an impartial observer where that where that's concerned, just to be keeping it 100. Anyway, um, what would I do? I mean, again, I'm a broken record at this point. I said it yesterday when I was on with Ian and Steph on the putback. Um, I would trade Randall. I would look for the best Randall deal out there, and I would trade Randall. And it's not because I hate Julius Randall. It's not because I think Julius Randall's a bad player. He's a very good player. And it's not because I don't think Julius Randall could play 
an important role on a winning team? I think he can. That role is never going to be here with the Knicks because there is too much, too much history, recent history of him being a certain type of player for this organization. And he's, he still is. When you finish eighth in MVP voting, and when you make second team all NBA for a franchise, you are never going to be relegated to be something essentially a role player or a role, a role ish player. And that's what he needs to be in the league today. He needs to be a 25 minute, maybe a 30 minute a game guy if we're really pushing it. But I think closer to 25 playing small ball five half the time against opposing backups where he just has unfettered room to work. Maybe he could do some, you know, he could do his jab steps or whatever else he wants to do in the, with the offense. And he is forced because there's no, there's no sacred cows anymore. Right. With, if he's on some other franchise, he's just one of he's lower down the totem pole. He's going to be forced to defend and forced to give maximum effort on defense, which is not happening here. Some people think firing Tibbs is going to make Julius Randall try on defense. Eh, Look, maybe we'll find out. Um, I I don't believe it. So I would get rid of Randall for that reason. And the reason I would get rid of him is because I do think you are fundamentally blocked from becoming a modern, functional, normal NBA team in in terms of how you operate on both ends of the court if he continues to play a prominent role for you. And the other part of it, why I think it's, it's a good move, if you could do it, is because it opens up the door to see what a lot of these other guys do, not only Obi Toppin, right? Right. But also getting that 25, 26, 27 usage rate out of the equation will by definition put the onus on some of these other guys to see what they could reduce. RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, Emmanuel Quickly, all of these guys. And then you could start to get to what, what I think has to be the finish line at this point, which is this, and I'll end here. We learned this summer that the notion of trying to trade for a star player and still have enough left over to trade for another star player is probably not realistic <laughs> if we're right. just keeping it on. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we get to a place where you see, like, hey, maybe we could be one star away if, like, Brunson continues going on this ascent, if a couple of these other pieces here, you know, get a little bit better. Maybe RJ is in that conversation. Maybe RJ shows himself to be something better than he's shown this year. And then – all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're like, well, now we could now we could trade all of the picks and maybe like one young player for the right number one guy. Because like it or not, that's the only path that they could take right now because we Ian reported it two days ago. They're not tanking. That's not gonna happen. Right. Free agency right. is gonna be dead until 2025. So there is no other path. You might as well try to just do that path as well as possible. I agree with I agree with you on that path, and I know people in the OB hive are going to be happy that you've been saying it all season. Oh yeah. Well, this brings up stuff for OB. I'm, I'm with you though. It's not just about OB. It opens up a lot more minutes and opportunities for other people. The other thing I would say too, is and this is something I've been saying you and I were texting about this because we were talking about what could they do? What kind of moves could they, could they actually make? And we don't know what they would get for Julius Randall. I think that's no. actually interesting. What could they get for Julius Randall? But I think if let's say they traded Julius Randall, and they got back some role players with fine contracts that don't go past 2024, okay? Yeah. Let's say they do that. Another way, I think, is everybody keeps focusing on who's the next star that's currently in the league. 
maybe it's the next draft or the draft after that, and you see somebody you identify and you want to move up because you have picks to get it. A young player, you can do it. But that's another way of getting it done that I think yeah. it shouldn't be ignored. Go ahead. No, it shouldn't be ignored. The reason I like, not that I'm poo-pooing it, but like they tried it with Ivy. And I don't know what Detroit's price Which I was. liked. I liked it. I want to say I liked that they tried it. I, I loved did. it. But yeah. but how many times have you seen teams trade out of spots where there's a chance to get what people seem to agree is a special player? And yeah, yeah. it just doesn't – unless you're trading down to, like, the Penny Hardaway, Chris Webber, that's, that's unique because those right. were both – looked at as special guys, you know, and there's a couple of those sorts of instances. And then there's instances where the guy that was take that was being traded up for was not looked at as a special player at the time, like Donovan Mitchell. Right. Right. It's just, it's really tough. Cause if a team has, has a, a like a team is not going to trade what they view as a dollar for, I'll use the old Bill Simmons analogy for, you know, two, two quarters, uh, three dimes and four nickels. They're just, that doesn't happen. So the idea of like trading up in the draft and you get your star that way, I'm just leery of that as like a plan. I'm not saying I, don't yeah. do it, but you, you try. I think but. it's I think it's more likely the latter of what you said, right? And I'm I'm not saying going for Ivy last year was a fine plan for me because I was very high on him. But I think it is identifying a guy that you might think could be really good, sure. a la Donovan Mitchell, somewhere towards the end of the lottery and moving up and trying to steal a guy away there. That's way more likely than moving up to the top five or top yes. three. That's not happening. I think that's the kind of trade I'm thinking about moving up into the draft. I, and really well, good scouting, identifying a player like that and saying, hey, this is somebody we could take a, a little gamble on because we think they can, you know, they can work in our system. I think they kicked the tires on on doing that with Duarte two years ago. Now, I don't, I don't know. Duarte, right. Chris Duarte doesn't maybe look like he's going to be that player. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I, were they were they thinking about trying to trade up with Indy for Mathurin? Like Mathurin looks like he's a pretty special player. You yeah, know? and I and I, I was I wasn't as high on him, but he looks man, he, he looks, looks good. he looks really he looks good. good. You know, Dyson Daniels is looking good, albeit in a, a different sort of role for right. the Pelicans. But then there's also like I hate to bring this up, but like when someone's staring at you in the face at the picket that you're at, make the right pick. Like again, I love Obi Toppin. I'm here for the, the I'm, I'm all with the Obi. Did you like, were you, were you in the, you wanted Halliburton? Were you a Halliburton? No, I'm, I'm oh, not going to sit okay. here. And, I, okay. I was intrigued by the idea of Halliburton. Like I wasn't the, I wasn't one of these people who were like, Oh, definitely. No, you know, he's, he's a connector. He's not a real point guard. I looked at him as like, look, this dude clearly impacts winning. If they feel good enough about taking him, I'm all for it. And I kind of said the same thing about Obi Toppin. I wasn't in love with Obi at the time. I thought he had, you know, the defensive issues worried me. Um, but even like this year, like Jalen Williams just won Rookie of the Month for Oklahoma City. Dude just put up 27 points against, albeit the Spurs, but still. Um, like that dude was right there. He he was taking the, the 12th pick, you know. Um <sighs> These these guys are out there. Like they pass, I love quickly. They passed on Des Bain. Des Bain was on on track to make an All Star team lot this year of before he passed on him. But yes, yeah, they, they, yes, they did. And yeah. like, you, I, I want to be very clear. You can't. It's a lot easier to complain about the eighth pick than it is to complain about the twenty fifth pick because when you get down to the twenties, it's like you just want to to get an right. NBA player. You know. Right. So I'm not I'm not going to kill them for that. But like, you don't always need to trade up. That's the point I'm trying to make. No, I think that's a great point before we move on. It's like that really comes down to scouting and really identifying players at work and really knowing the talent. And it sounds to me like you're saying something that I've said a long time about the Knicks. It's like, look, at this point, man, just get the job done. 
identify that player, find it, find the value, get it done, like get the job done. Other teams have seemed to have been able to do this. The Knicks just seem never to be able and, to find that diamond in a rough star. Yeah. And sorry, one last thing on this, oh, because sure, a lot of people ahead. have said it, and I feel like I just want to get it out there. This is the biggest, argu- arguably, the biggest argument against the, you know, re-signing Rose, signing Fournier. If you want to go mm. signing Kemba, you could throw that in there, re-signing Burks. Like, all of the veterans that they have brought in, even if you want to go Hardenstein, right? Because they have Jericho Sims. Um, that's the biggest argument against that, because where you're at as an organization, like, yes, we all get it. You want to make yourself look good, and you want to make yourself look more appealing to a star, and you want to try to win as many games as possible to make that appeal evident. There are different ways to make yourself appealing. So what? You win six or seven or eight fewer games, but it's very clear that you have an, exci- like a, an exciting young core which is why, like, bring more. I know they have a decent young, a, a nice young core. You could bring in even more guys to that. Like, they may have three picks in this upcoming draft. Do we have any faith that they're going to sit there and make those picks and actually want to roster and, like, p- include those guys in the rotation? No, I have no faith. That's so I think that's a criticism also of, of, of what their, their approach generally. I think that's a fair criticism, too. And I think that goes back to what you brought up in terms of your fixing the Knicks roster dream trade scenario, which is to move off of Julius Randle. The only way you can actually identify what you have in the young players that are already on the roster is to let those players play and see that. Because you still you got to think about paying Emmanuel quickly. you got to think about paying Obi Toppin and Cam Reddish, which we haven't added. And what do you want to do with that flexibility? Do you want to bring in more youth and have more flexibility? Do you want to trade off some of those pieces? We can't know any of the answers to those questions. Nope. Until you start seeing them play, and that's the problem. So we'll we'll see. Um, two more before I get you out of here because we've gone yep. over time that I, I thought I would have you here. But um, this weekend the Knicks uh, they got some tough games, man. They got the Mavs matinee on Saturday, and then the Cavs Sunday evening, I believe that is. Um, yes, Sunday six. Yep. Okay. This, it hasn't been good at home. We talked about that in the, at, at the start of the show. Do you look at this as a big weekend for the Knicks with the slide they've been on at home? Do they need to get at least a split here? What are you looking to see them do with these home games against good comp coming into the Garden this weekend? I'm going to I'm going to throw in one more game because the next game after these two is against the Hawks, and that ends yes a stretch of uh, six out of seven games at home. At home, they have yep. lost. They've lost the first three of those games. I do think that there is a downside scenario. Where, and again, I'll lean on your 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 colleague Ian Bagley, who had this report recently about like there are some folks in the there are some higher ups that are irked perhaps by what is going on or what is not going on uh, with this team. If they ever lost all three of these games and like it was anything other than like three really close losses, and even then, I could, I I I'd be I'd be very curious to see what might transpire. Um, that said, I do not think they will lose all three of these games. I actually, I feel pretty good about the Mavs game. Um, the Mavs are not in a good place right now. It's, I mean, Luca's Luca and like, who the hell knows when you get an ex Nick coming into MSG, like watch Tim Hardaway go off for 30 points. You can just see that. Um, I, <laughs> Kemba, right. Kemba's going back. I, I hope not. Um, I think they'll win one of these next two. And then depending on how they look at the next two, you know, we'll see against the Hawks. Well, it'll be interesting to see if somehow they lost those three games and the people in the Knicks who are not happy 
Um, I don't know what will happen there, but maybe the Knicks will have another team dinner and they'll, they'll write the ship for us. I think things might get better there. I, I, I don't Keep know. having those uh, dinners. Yeah, keep having those dinners. You need to have them every night. Um, <laughs> last thing. <laughs> last thing. I used the word mediocrity, and it was funny. I, I, our people on our social media team at the Post, they had tweeted, they had tweeted out the video we did the other day. It came out Monday, and somebody commented on there and was saying, oh, you, you can't use mediocrity. Like, it's it's not the correct word to use here. And I'm like, what do you call a 10 and 12 team? Like, what are you supposed to call a 10 and 12 team? I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't realize that. Um, seemed to me like maybe a fan who appreciates you watching the video and everything, but might be a little bit too sensitive there. Um, are the Knicks better than a mediocre team? It, like you and I talked about this when you, when I came on the show, I think you guys asked me for the wins and I can't remember, um, everybody's prediction. And I said, I could see them a little bit better. 44 wins. I'm not as confident in that now as I was then. Um, are they better than a mediocre team, John? Is is it give give the Knicks fans some hope if you choose to? Are they better than that? I'm gonna anger that um, sensitive fan. I think they're a little <laughs> bit worse. I think they're a little bit worse than mediocre. Mm. Um, I think if you are like I'm a I'm a big as anybody who's been following me for a while knows I'm a big like I'm a big net ratings guy. Um, I think net ratings more than um, more than team record uh tell you how good your your team is and right now if you go by cleaning the glass which i i like the way they do their their net ratings a little bit better because it filters out garbage time the knicks are the 22nd ranked net rating in the league they're at minus 1.4 they're a tick above three teams that are kind of in the same area as them portland oklahoma city and the lakers and I think having played Oklahoma City twice and having played Portland, you could say, like, we're right around where those teams are. Um, you know, they're right below the Clippers, they're right below Chicago, they're right below Miami, they're right below Indiana. Like, there's a group of teams outside of your of your top, like, 15, like a next seven or eight. I think the Knicks are in that group. So, to me, mediocre means you're, like, somewhere, like, 13th to 18th. I think they're a little bit below that. And then... If you just, you know, like they have 10 wins, right? Three of yep. those have come against Detroit. One of those has come against Charlotte. One of those has come against Orlando. And if we're, you know, one of those is coming against Oklahoma City. One has come against Philadelphia without Philadelphia's any of their best players. Like, that's who they've been able to actually win against, you know? And those, I just named a, a bunch of teams in the in the bottom there. So, like, I don't know. Maybe they're be- Maybe they're mediocre. Maybe they're even a little bit better than mediocre. I can't sit here right now and say that based on what we've seen. Yeah. I mean, that's not uh, hopeful for the Knicks fans, but <laughs> we, as people who love the Knicks, we, we only can hope that it gets better, John. We can Unless you want to tank. <laughs> well, we, yeah, except, you know, Ian, who we trust, is, is saying <laughs> so they're not, not tanking, and uh, they're not doing that. They're not, not doing intentionally. That. Not intentionally. Not intentionally. Yeah, you're right. But And this is the thing my man Gerard Hector always says all the time. He's like, but what's the plan? And I think that's something we could talk about that another time but i think that's something yeah. Knicks fans are trying to figure out which is what is the plan here i don't know we'll see great work jonathan is always covering the knicks i know we're going to do more um you can see jonathan on Knicks pregame postgame show they do a fantastic job uh with Knicks film school check out their weekly podcast as well and the newsletter sign up for that y'all sign up for the newsletter it's full of good information <laughs> 
Jonathan, you know I'm proud of you. Um, you know I love your work. I'm a subscriber. I'm a fan. I'm glad you Likewise. finally get to come on here. We got to have some extended Knicks talk because when we talk on the post, that's why it's very short. So this was nice to have some extended Nick talk, and um, we're gonna we'll do it again soon. I'm very sure of that. And listen, say this about them: they might be mediocre, but they're never boring. There's always something interesting to talk about with the Knicks. That is true. Knicks are never boring, and I'm pretty sure uh, this weekend will be ex- interesting. I won't say exciting; it'll be interesting to say the least. I'm sure I'll be texting you some happy <laughs> or angry stuff uh, about the Knicks, but we'll talk soon. Thank you, man, for joining me. Um, everybody, go give Jonathan a follow. Give the Knicks uh, Film School a follow as well. As I said, they do great stuff. Check them out. And Jonathan, we'll have you back soon on the show. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, my friend. Be well. Anytime, brother. All right, that's Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School, also known as the Dean. We are going to take a very quick break. We've gone a little bit longer, but the conversation with Jonathan was so good. I uh, couldn't stop that. I'm going to come back, and we're going to do our best bets for Friday night, looking around the NBA, uh, no Knicks game tonight, so you'll have a chance to bet on them and lose money. But we'll talk about some other teams when we come back on NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over/under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, Join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. All right, guys. Thank you for sticking in with us, watching. Appreciate everybody who's been watching live in the chat. We see you. Hopefully, you enjoyed that conversation with Jonathan Eckley. If you got in late, this will be archived. The audio will be up on all digital streaming platforms after. So you can check out that conversation. Look. You know, I'm always happy to talk some Knicks basketball. I'm glad we were able to. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that interview. But we're going to talk about these bets around the NBA to try to help you guys win some money. Interestingly, last night, there was only one game in the NBA. That was Dallas and Detroit. And you heard Jonathan talk about Dallas, who's they're not in a good place right now. They've been really up and down. Beside Luka, they lose to Detroit on the road, and which was a terrible loss by them. Um, and they just really couldn't get any separation. They've been really disappointed. And you can really see that they miss Jalen Brunson, who we talked about with the shot creation that he provided and the ability that he had there. But the Knicks will play them on Saturday. That'll be a 12-30 start. That'll be an interesting game. Matinee at the Garden uh, after we watch. A lot of people, I'm sure, will be watching the USA versus the Netherlands in the World Cup. You can tune in right after that if you're in New York for some Knicks basketball. I'll be tuning for that while at work. But let's get off for the first game of the night. Got the Washington Wizards, three-and-a-half-point favorites versus the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets plus 128 on that money line, and the over-under is 225-and-a-half. Now, look, the Wizards, they're quietly not being talked about. They're a bit of a surprise in the Eastern Conference here. And one of the things that's been really interesting is the production that they've been getting. Bradley Beal, who's now come back, had a bout with COVID earlier, has been doing Bradley Beal things. Chris has Porzingis. I think we've always known this about him. When he's healthy, that's the key. When he's healthy, 
He can put up buckets, and he's been doing that, having himself a strong season. But the X factor to me for them, they've been playing some good defense. Some of their role players have been coming around. Rui Hachimura, Demi Avija has been playing well too. Corey Crispert, Kispert, excuse me, has even been getting off the bench and actually hitting some threes. That's been impressive. Um, but I think the real key for them and the X factor for them and what I've been very impressed with and watching them is Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma has been really great, shooting the ball well from the field. He's on a good contract. There have been some talks about trading Kyle Kuzma. I don't know why. He's been a very efficient third player for them and part of their big three, and I'm putting that in air quotes. But I like how the Wizards have been playing. I'm surprised in this game against the Hornets, who are not a good team right now at all. It is only three and a half points that they're giving the Wizards to be favored by. I like this for the Wizards. I don't care if one of their stars is out. I like the Wizards to win this game. The Wizards have to win the games that they need to. It's on the road, down in Charlotte. But I like the Wizards to cover here with the three and a half points. Wizards defense could be a little bit better. We know the Hornets can still put up a lot of points at that number, 225 and a half. Uh, That's a stay away from me. I like the Wizards in this contest. I like what they're playing. They got some good vibes. And I think as they continue to play well, you'll hear more talk about them. But the Beal and Porzingis pair looking pretty good along with Kuzma, who's been good. Keep your eye on them in terms of betting them against teams. Their team is playing really hard, really competitive. Now, the one downside, I think, with them looking as we go forward into the season is Last year, we saw the same thing in a good start for the Wizards, and then they went down. But I think Wes Unsell Jr. has him coached really well, and we'll see. Give me the Wizards covering the three and a half points tonight. All right, next game, Orlando Magic versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's a lot. If you like the Magic in this one, you can get paid. Plus 407 on the money line for the Magic. Yeah, I ain't touching that. They still got a lot of guys out. The Cavaliers here, who they are playing, are 10 and a half point favorites over under for this is 217 now if you know me these spreads when it gets high i do like taking the top five team against the bottom five team not really sure the Cavs qualify as top five teams i like those teams to definitely cover and blow teams out the favorites there the Cavs are really good they've been working through some issues i do think they're really good are they 11 points or more better than the magic right now i'm not 100 percent sure so when i see situations like this where I definitely still think one team is superior, which I do think the Cavs are, I like to bet them in the first half. I think the Cavs get out to a good start. They're at home. I think they'll be able to cover. You'll probably see that number for the first half line around five and a half or six. I would check in on that. I like the Cavs to cover that more than they do for the 10 and a half for the game. I always get nervous. Teams get on runs. Things happen in garbage time. If it's a blowout, you never know. Don't like it. But I would like that number of five and a half or six and a half for the first half. For the Cavs to cover in this game, that would be my play. That over under of 217, I would generally trend towards the under, but this also is a stay away from me. Just too many variability. I think the Cavs do win this game, and I think they win it comfortably. It's just how comfortably. But my best bet will be look at that first half line for the Cavs to cover. I think if you get anything, six and a half, five and a half points, that's good vibes. That's a good bet there. Then my last game of the night for a Friday night, New Orleans Pelicans. Versus the San Antonio Spurs. Now, the Pelicans, they are seven-point favorites in this one. The Spurs plus 232. If you like them, over-under is 232. And I like the under in this one. I'm going to tell you why. One, the Pels defense, they've been really good. Top 10 defense right now. And that's something that's really impressed me. Certain things in the offense has to come along, but I think that has a lot to do with players being in and out. And Zion Williamson is starting to get into his form, I think, a lot better than we have seen. And that's something that's going to take time. You heard Gerard Hetcher talk about this the other day. They're a team of very high variance. 
and I think the Pelicans are starting to put some good things together. But what I really like is what they're able to do on the defensive end. And I think they're starting to learn, too. Almost in a way we're talking about the Wizards, and you could also put the Cavs in this, too, the teams we're talking about. Teams that are at this point in the season trying to figure out, look, we have to start winning the games against the teams that we're supposed to be winning about. I know the Spurs had some good feel-good wins at the beginning of the season, but now they started to come back down to one of the worst teams in the league. This is a game the Pelicans got to win. I like this line at seven for them. I think they're able to take care of business on the road down in San Antonio, and particularly I like them because of the defense they're playing. So give me the Spurs to cover here on the road in San Antonio, seven points. I like it. If you see anything even lower, if it gets down to six, six and a half, definitely a line to watch before game time. I say bang that, but I like the Pelicans. So give me the Wizards to cover three and a half points. The Cavaliers, I'm betting that for the first half for them to cover the spread. First half spread there. Don't like the 10 and a half points. A little bit too much for me there. Pelican Spurs, love that under of 232. Also like the Pelicans to cover with those seven points as well. So it should be an interesting night of betting. A lot of games are in action tonight. Should be a fun one. Also should be a fun one this weekend. Looking at basketball throughout the weekend. I know a lot of the attention will be on soccer this weekend. And rightfully so. Uh, going to be watching that, but I'm definitely intrigued to see what some teams do this weekend, including the Knicks. How do they bounce back? Because we talked about with Jonathan, can they start winning some of these games at home? They've had a nice stretch, six out of seven at home, but some very tough opponents. They can use a quality win. I think this is a team that's hungry for one. And with Dallas coming in, I think this might be a good opponent for them on Saturday, but we'll see how they'll do. Next week, we'll talk about some more stuff. We'll have Gerard Hector back with us on Wednesday for some NBA with Nuance. Hopefully we'll have somebody to talk about the Wizards. Talk about them here. I want to talk about the Wizards more and some other teams we might have been focusing on early in the season. Their team I definitely would like to dive into. There's some other surprise teams. Indiana. We talked about Ben Matherin with Jonathan Macri. You mentioned them. They're interesting. We want to get somebody to talk about Indiana. And then also Dallas. Dallas, too. I got to reach out to my girl, Lauren Gunn, see if we can get her on to talk about some Mavericks hoops. There's a lot of teams we have yet to touch this season on the NBA Exchange, and we will. As we trend towards Christmas, we'll have some great stuff to talk about. But that is a wrap for this edition of the NBA Exchange. Fantastic episode today. Special thanks to my guest, Jonathan Macri, doing his thing. Appreciate him coming on. Another great guest to talk about the Knicks. You know we always have great guests talking about the Knicks, so you can't beat that. A special thanks to him for coming on. Uh, thanks to everybody for watching, following. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. If you did, share this episode with your friends. We appreciate the support as always. We'll have more great guests coming throughout the season. I'm Dexter Henry. And until next time on the NBA Exchange, peace, y'all.